0: Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Tactical Breakdown series. The show in which we look at the players that have been linked to Arsenal in a statistical and analytical way with the help of some expertise to help break them down. Of course, you join us on deadline day. I'll be very honest, if you'd have asked me two days ago who I would be doing a tactical breakdown of on deadline day, I wouldn't have been saying... Uh, Jorginho, but here we are talking about Jorginho on deadline day. I'm very happy though to be joined by a uh, former colleague and good friend, Daniel Charles. How are you doing, mate? You good you well?
2: Yeah, doing well. I mean, a bit like Arsenal, Chelsea, uh busy, busy time on transfer deadline day, particularly for the expectations of a January window. This has been quite mental in terms of the number of signings. Mm. So yeah, it's been a bit wild, and and I think at this point, like like I saw, I think I'm just I'm ready for the transfer window to end.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and me both, mate. You and me both. Um, Of course, Chelsea themselves have been involved in a lot of Arsenal-related activity. Uh Mahalo Mudrik was the big story at the beginning of the window. Moises Caicedo, of course, was kind of the latter stage. And you're still very much involved in trying to get a deal for Enzo Fernandez, of course, across the line. And potentially Marcel Sabitzer is being talked about as well. Um in terms of kind of how you look at Chelsea, and we'll get on to Jorginho shortly, but just because while you're here and to give people kind of a bit of an insight, from an Arsenal perspective, you know, it's it's pretty mad looking at Chelsea and how much has been spent mm. recently. How do you take it in as, as a Chelsea fan and, and content creator of the money that's that's involved in Chelsea at the moment?
2: Uh, at the time, it has been uh, galling and kind of a little bit chaotic in terms of understanding you know, just your expectations more than anything, like you think, can all these d- deals get done, you know, and the amount of times I've been, you know, the years I've been doing Chelsea videos and, and covering the club, it's, it has been quite wild how many have been done. But, you know, when I actually take a broader view of, of particularly this window and I look at the targets, I look at what this squad needs and also what I think the plan is for the new ownership, I think it makes more sense. Um, I think there's been a lot of people who've just kind of thrown their hands up and gone, well, what's what is the plan? But when you actually look at the profile of these players, um, clearly going in a younger direction. I mean, Chelsea now I believe have a, a full eleven of players contracted to 2030 or under the age of twenty five, and that is since last summer. So mm. it's quite obvious what the plan is. That doesn't mean it's a foolproof plan. That doesn't mean the fan the, the plan is gonna go perfectly. But, you know, it, it, I think there is there is some thinking behind this. And it's I think it has been kind of portrayed from outside that Todd Bowley is just walking around. He's taking jets to everywhere just to sign whoever he feels he gets a fancy for a player and just signs them. And obviously there are more people involved mm. in that process. Um, but we will see how it all works out.
0: Yeah, we will. Um, and of course, where Chelsea end up this season is going to be massive regarding, of course, what might happen in the summer and the the, the potential for the following seasons and where this project goes. But a player that won't be part of that project is Jorginho, uh, who is on the verge of being announced at this point. Of course, if you're listening to this a little bit later, he may have already been announced uh, by this point. So effectively, we can talk about Jorginho as if he is an Arsenal player at the moment to give you guys a bit of an outset on, on what the plan is for today's show. We're going to be kind of looking into what he was like at Chelsea, style of play positionally as well and make some statistical comparisons and how he might fit into Arsenal and then ultimately come to a verdict on is he worth uh, the 12 million pounds Arsenal are paying for him in the end so we'll kick off uh, with of course that career as we talk about you know signed from Napoli uh, back in what 2018-19 when he arrived how has he fared at Chelsea in that time
2: yeah, the the career of Jorginho at Chelsea is a really interesting one to delve into. Um, he has been at times a very divisive figure, a controversial figure, someone that has sparked a lot of debate, particularly online between Chelsea supporters. Mm. And you know, it's weird. To like, yeah, exactly. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are probably are similarities between those two players. Um And, you know, in the end, maybe there's more positives there than negatives. You know, and he kind of won over, like Shaka, I assume, now has won over a lot more Arsenal fans than than not compared to a few years ago. But I think with, uh, with Jorginho... It's weird that it's ended so abruptly because I think that there's more to say about Jorginho's legacy, but obviously that's not for an Arsenal stream. That's for my own content that Chelsea fans have been interested in it with. But in in the case of his career, he had a very challenging first year because he came in under Maurizio Sarri. I mean, that was the year when he could have gone to Manchester City. I think a lot of people expected him to, Mm. Uh, but Sarri coming to Chelsea effectively changed that. And then he comes in and and kind of, he, he starts well, but then... When things start going wrong for Sarri, Jorginho is kind of leveled with that. And, and I think he dealt with a lot of harsh abuse, unfair abuse um, in that first season. And I think by the time Sarri left, there was kind of a feeling that, oh, is he just going to move on because he's kind of Sarri's player? But then he stays around for Lampard. Lampard uses him for majority of his first season, but then eventually gets phased out. And until Thomas Tuchel arrives, I think there was an expectation that Jorginho wasn't going to be around for much longer at Chelsea. He kind of served his purpose mainly under Maurizio Sarri. And also the fact that, you know, Chelsea maybe were looking to go in a more progressive and more so energetic way in central midfield. And, and Jorginho, unfortunately, was coming to represent a lot of our, our bad tricks in central midfield, a lack mm. of balance, but, I'm sure this is stuff we will get to when we talk about his style of play it is the flaws of in Jorginho's game were there in 2018. They're still here in, and are probably more prominent in 2023. Um, they've always been there and they haven't gone away. But, you know, you get into then his best run as a Chelsea player. And if, if you're an Arsenal fan, this is what you, you're probably looking at as kind of hope, because when Thomas Tuchel comes in, he makes Chelsea a lot more defensively solid. He moves Jorginho back into a very protected role um in the heart of our double six with Golo Kante mainly when we're looking at that Champions League when he run running and, and Jorginho gets the heights of performance in the Champions League that I don't think many Chelsea fans expected him to reach. And he's a massive part of that success. That same summer he goes on to win the Euros of Italy and his stock by the you know the spring um the autumn sorry of 2021 is, is very high. Hmm. I have to say since then that there has been a decline in terms of, and and I think this chart maybe shows that in terms of his value reaching its peak in 2021, which is when I personally felt Chelsea should have sold him in that summer after the Champions League win. To now when you will get good performances from Jorginho, you will get professional performances. He's, He's a very durable player. He is a player that unfortunately comes to represent a lot of the social media stuff we see in the sense that, always extremes with Jorginho. He's either the best midfielder Chelsea have ever had, which is not true, or the worst midfielder Chelsea have ever had, which of course is not true either. I think there is a balance with Jorginho to be had. Um, And I think it's for what, when we get to the end of this, is what Arsenal are looking to get out of Jorginho. Then I think if you're looking to get someone who's going to be a a very experienced member of your dressing room to offer you a short-term solution, isn't going to be someone you're going to build your midfield around, then, then maybe that's what Jorginho will provide. But he's a, as I say, I mean, I, I've wrote so many articles and made so many videos about Jorginho and his Chelsea career because he's such a, an interesting figure to look around in terms of what Chelsea fans have thought about him. You know, I think if you'd speak to 10 Chelsea fans, you may get 10 different responses. Mm. Uh, you know, but I, I feel that in the end, I think most Chelsea fans today, Mainly will reflect on his influence in the Champions League win and 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 think good guy, good character, uh, and you know wish him the best.
0: Yeah, absolutely nice no, reason why I got you on because I thought you would be the most balanced um, of people I could speak to on this. To be honest, so you know it's 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 obviously not the signing that I don't think necessarily people wanted you know especially when we've been linked to Moises um a, a player that obviously is doing really well in the Premier League 21 years of age on the up whereas you look at Jorginho he's a player that is coming to the end And always, obviously there's also this dynamic between Arsenal and Chelsea that Arsenal have taken on a lot of Chelsea players in the past although it's been two and a half years since that Willian deal being the last one but then you've got that's by the way that's an impressive drink you've got there that was ridiculous
2: <laughs> sorry yeah litres litres of water yeah, litres
0: of water there ridiculous I thought my well, water I'll stay refreshed was massive, but yeah you know, I'm you gotta
2: is... got stay refreshed watching Chelsea and <laughs> trying to speak about Chelsea this season. you know that's how you survived Tom.
0: Indeed. No, you need to. Hydration is going to be key. Um, but I, do yeah, to, no I do have to admit that. That is, that is water, by the way. That isn't any other like substance that looks like water. To <laughs> I'm, no, I'm sure show. it is. I'm sure it is. Uh, but no, as I say, like, you know, William was the last one two and a half years ago. We've had players, of course, um, David Luiz, uh, Ben Ayoun on loan, of course, another one, a Check, And they've never really worked out. And this leads a lot of Arsenal fans to have a bit of a stereotype and a stigma about that that there's no chance any player that moves from Chelsea in the latter stage of their career can succeed. Now for me like he doesn't need to do. He's not coming in like Willian did when he signed to start games, you know. He's not coming in like Petr Cech did to start games. He's not coming in like David Luiz did to start games. He's coming in to be an option that's better than Mohamed Elneny behind Thomas Partey. That's what he's coming in at. And I think that's maybe what people need to get their heads around. And he is better than Mohamed Elneny. There isn't much argument at all to suggest that's not the case. You look at the uh, all of the statistics, all of the evidence. He is, if you had a choice playing against, you know, you, Thomas Partey is not available. Arsenal are playing City the next day. Who would you rather have playing in the DM position? Is it El Elneny or is it Jorginho? You know, I think you're going to struggle to see a genuine argument for the for the latter. It's uh, you know, but it's people who still need convincing in terms of his style of play, um, and we'll talk about him positionally as well. Um, he is a player, obviously that. Passing wise, you know, very safe. Um, and you can usually rely on him to, to play a decent pass. He can be progressive, and we'll look at some of his stats uh, in a bit. Quite good. In ter- he's quite quick in terms of how he's, he's with the ball at his feet, not so quick in terms of across the ground. But certainly I've seen plenty of clips of him, you know, taking on players in small spaces, working the small spaces really, really well. Uh, Granite Xhaka is, is a way of kind of winning fouls in in dangerous positions in his own half. I see Jorginho does that as well. So what do you make of him stylistically as a number six? And, and feel free, obviously, to make that comparison to what you've seen of, of Partey as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that Jorginho, if you're looking at him to be a you know, serious competition or someone that is going to be in the mould of Thomas Partey, you're, you're looking in the wrong place. You know, this is not the player that is going to be protecting your defence in kind of the old fashioned way of someone who's going to really physically dominate the opposition. Somebody who's going to cover a lot of ground at speed. What Jorginho is best at is, is when he's in control of the ball. You know, he, his protection, the way you protect the defense with him is holding possession, which is something that Arsenal do pretty well. Um, it's him kind of those repetitive, you know, triangles, the way he picks up the ball from, say, defense or the goalkeeper. Um, it's all about bringing that sort of tempo i mean people to call it like metronomic but you know i've always liked the phrase you know regista. right it's become kind of a hipster phrase but you know that register in italian means you know film basically director film director um and i think it makes a lot of sense for Jorginho at his best is you know he he is when you go back and watch some of his best performances you can then see the way he's intricately Freddie passes through that, you know, it's maybe like the hockey assist, the pass before the pass. Mm. Um, I think he did a lot more of that in his early Chelsea years. Um, but you know, Jorginho at times as well can be a little bit more physical. Um, he can, I I'm I'm sure as you'll show with some of the some of the stats, you know, at times he he can be good at intercepting, but he's also someone that is you know, if there's someone that I'm putting money on to get a yellow card, it's Jorginho, because as you've said, when when he does get bypassed, he he can be bypassed ridiculously easy at times. And and that is one of the problems. Jorginho, you know, his best games for Chelsea came when he had a very, very dynamic and mobile player, one of the best midfielders in world football next to him, which was N'Golo Kante. Mm. And even if you if I'd advise Arsenal fans to go and watch some of Chelsea's earlier performances this season, like I think Arby Salzburg away was a was a good demonstration of what Jorginho could do. Um again, had legs round him and Chelsea were playing the ball quite swiftly that night. It's in those games where I'd say kind of flair, nice football games um, where, you know, you're knocking the ball around. It isn't that physical. A team really isn't pressing him that high. And, and, you know, you've got control and a lot of territory. That's when Jorginho becomes, I think, a good player to have. And I think Arteta, particularly off the bench if Arsenal winning a a game 2-0, you could see him very much come off the bench and provide a, a suitable and safe service in possession um the the issue has always been for me is the other side of the game is an Jorginho does not provide for me the protection that i think in the premier league you seriously need and over 38 games Jorginho has been found out consistently and that do, that doesn't mean he's an awful player but it's just for what i think you need at this level Jorginho does have some very serious flaws um, that on his worst days can be seriously exposed. Um uh, and unfortunately for a number of reasons, Chelsea's midfield and lack of Ingolo Kante being fit and not in mm. you know replacing as meant that at times I think Jorginho has been isolated. And that's the one thing you don't want him to be because against very good opposition, he can be found out. But th- there's no denying that you will find performances even this season where they, they haven't been as consistent, where he can be very, very solid in possession. And that's what always what you're going to get with Jorginho, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that's what Arsenal might need in the next six months, because as they go towards trying to win a title, uh, you're going to need that experience. You're going to need professional performances in tough moments if Partey is injured. You know, there is an argument. I was very much on the round of saying, you know, Kayseda would have been great. Ibrahim Abamba was a potential alternative, who's an exciting young player as well. But if you're in a game, you know, that's the make or break for your title chances. There is a really strong argument that being able to call upon someone who's been there, done it, you know, is in his uh, is is yes, towards the end of his prime, if not already moving out of his prime years, you know, that that is a, a much better thing to lean on than a twenty-year-old, you know, is. Mm. Um, and I think that's there's a really good argument for that as well. You know, we're just seeing on the screen there, positionally, you know. He is obviously a defensive midfielder, uh, but he does progress into the other half. You see the, the heat map enough mm-hmm. there, the, the bottom being um, uh, your, your own defensive third, the top being the offensive third. Is he someone that can, of course, link up with the attacking play? Because I saw a tweet from, uh, I think it was Henry Winter, that said that his passing was quite, oh, what was the word he used? He um, I, I didn't use the word safe, but it was something along uninspiring, he might have said, is his passing. Yeah. I mean, so tell me about that.
2: Yeah, very rarely. I mean, you can pick out certain clips, but they are quite, you know, his his Ces Fabregas-esque passes are quite distant. You know, you there was one in the 1920 season to Tammy Abraham that you may have seen floating around today. There was an amazing one for a Kai Havertz winner against Newcastle last year. But those passes are not that consistent. Um, he is someone that, as I say, is going to retain possession. Like that is his bread and butter. That is his kind of main service. Um, and you know, that's what makes him, I think at times an important player for a team who wants to crave possession, but can be detrimental to a team who needs to, I think, turn up the gears and find that ball that is going to unlock a defense. I, you are not, you're very unlikely to get that from Jorginho nine times out of 10, nine times out Mm. of 10, that's that he's not going to provide that, that pass for you, unfortunately. And, you know, I look at these sort of heat maps, I think that Jorginho, you know, the reason he had the best run of his Chelsea career was uh, under When in those first few months of Tuchel was because he was protected, because he was, there was three defenders behind him. You had Reese James and Benchur, well, either side of him, he had N'Golo Kante next to him. So in a lot of ways, Chelsea were protecting him. Um And I think that that is the big question for Arteta. Say, if you don't have Thomas Partey for a big game and Arsenal have to go out there and be a bit more progressive, which is what Arsenal are. They like to press up the pitch. They like to be dominant. They like to go after teams, particularly in the first 20 minutes. You know, they try and suffocate teams in their own half. The problem is when that ball turns over, which is what Thomas Partey, you know, a lot of reasons why Arsenal have been good at keeping hold of that pressure. But if that ball turns over and suddenly there's a team breaking on you. That has always been the problem with Jorginho when he has to defend in larger spaces. When, when he was asked to defend in smaller spaces, I think under Thomas Tuchel, you got that. But the problem is, I think Arteta has built a very progressive, productive system that's got you top of the league. Why would you move away from that other than in extreme situations? So I'd say, yeah, in a double six, I'd say it's probably, in, in a Premier League context, I'd say it's probably his best role. Naturally, a lot of people will say 4 three, three, He plays at the base of midfield with two eights in front of him. But at times that has has caught him out, particularly in the Premier League, compared to, say, when you look back at his time at Napoli.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, it's also important, obviously, we're going to look at some of his stats in a minute, but the importance of looking at a player like Jorginho and how he fits into an Arsenal team is going to be different to you know how he's played for Chelsea because they are different systems, different styles. Um, and obviously, how he might adapt to this Arsenal team under Arteta. Arteta has been a guy that's wanted him for a long time, you know, um, and actually was linked back to him, I think it was in 2020, with the whole our Partey situation at that time. And Jorginho was suggested as a potential player that Arsenal wanted. And also, when Arteta was at Man City... Um, Man City really wanted Jorginho back in 2018 when he was also there. So, um, there's been this constant kind of uh, appreciation of uh, of Jorginho for quite some time. Um, obviously, we're going to look at some of the st- statistical comparisons. I managed to say the word statistical about 10 times this episode perfectly. Messed it up then. Um, but we are going to look at the statistical uh, comparison between himself, uh, Thomas Partey, uh, Moises Caicedo, for obvious reasons, and uh, Amadou Anana, who are the two main uh, guys in the Premier League linked to the player. Now, the first thing I wanted to do was I didn't want to put El Elneny in this because he's barely played any minutes football this season so it wasn't really fair to to compare those stats wise but I think it's a good uh, barometer anyway to see how he compares with these guys we start off in terms of where he plays we've just been talking about him positionally what I do what you do see about that is he plays in that central six role which means he has influence on both sides of the field um Partey as you see there is is a lot more central you see Jorginho kind of popping up also in kind of the wide defensive positions at times backing up the fullbacks, Mm. um which obviously is something that Partey doesn't do as often um so that's certainly something that will add to his game but we've discussed positionally so let's talk about him defensively he comes out well here in terms of the number of defensive jewels he gets involved in 7.36 per 90 which is the highest of all the players on this list and in terms of the success just over 60 percent ever slightly lower than anana ever slightly lower than uh and a bit higher than kaiseda they're all kind of very similar in terms of that but he seems to be quite aggressive when it comes to tackling would that be
2: fair yeah, I mean, he's someone that I think has to commit because of his limitations in mobility. He's not someone that is going to get done once and then thinks, well, my speed is going to be able to cover me. So he has to, if he goes in, he has to win the ball, uh, particularly in certain situations. So I think that that has always meant that he, as I say, has to be aggressive. And, you know, there are games, as I say, and, you know, I hate to sort of sound because I'm interested in stats and, you know, I, mm. I don't want to sound like I'm being... um Sort of all Graham Sunnis about it, but you know, I, I think that there is a case that there is more than meets the eye with these numbers. Uh, mm. In terms of, you know, if you were to watch Chelsea this season, you know, I, I don't think as someone who, like myself who's watched every Chelsea game this season, yeah, I don't think course. you the, the imp- I don't these stats don't sort of um, speak to what I've been watching, right? Um, You know, and and I think that there, as I say, there are moments in games that are I think critical that probably these stats don't pick up. Now, that isn't to say, as I've consistently said, is that Jorginho will have those moments where he's able to pick up the ball, will have those moments where he's able to drift out and and can make some key, key interceptions. I think the, the problem has always been when the game becomes a little bit more intense and, and the width of, you know, in terms of, as I say, him in being asked to cover more space. Uh, but, you know, there is a... With Jorginho, there is always, a I think, a technical side to him that that makes him very important. And I I think that there are moments where he, you know, I I think the game against Liverpool, actually his last game for Chelsea, which is weird to say now, but his final game for Chelsea, you saw that again, what he could provide, not only from a passing point of view, but I I do wonder, he's one of these weird players where I sometimes wonder if the level of opposition is higher, he he suits it better. When, you know, if you're playing a more unorthodox team who provide you different type of questions mm. then you know I always felt this weird comparison I always felt this about Andreas Christensen at Chelsea you know I always felt that i would always felt confident against the likes of Arsenal and City that he'd play well because the ball was mostly on the floor mm. but then when he had to come up against a more physical opposition he'd struggle so you know as I say I, I don't want to completely rubbish these these numbers but you know no, I, of I don't look at Moises Casado, Onana and Partey in the same way as Jorginho they're just not what they do on the pitch is very different. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's why Chelsea have been trying to go after some of these midfielders in the past. Yeah,
0: indeed. Um, you know, and I think it's it was always going to be exceptionally tough for Arsenal to try and secure somebody that could offer you what Partey does in the January yeah. transfer window. Um, they tried to get Caicedo, who is categorically not for sale. It doesn't matter what your opinion is of how much Arsenal should have got in for. It could have gone up to 100 million. And I still think Brighton might have turned around and said, you know, he's not for sale until the summer because they can probably still get a fee similar to that anyway in the summer and he can help yeah. them towards European football this season. Um, so whilst Dan has absolutely destroyed my statistics, um, <laughs> we'll run for a few more. Uh, <laughs> real Jules wise uh, he's not the type to, to really, you know, go out for the challenges like the likes of 10. And Anana, I would show in these stats, you know, he's, he's significantly less than both of those two, both in frequency and in success rate. Uh, but he does come out well in interceptions. And I did want to ask you this, you know, even though he's high, high as we just talked about there, the context around stats, does he, because re- he obviously is not blessed with loads of pace and he isn't the most mobile of players, does he read the game well to be able to kind of think about where the next pass is going to be
2: played so he can intercept it? And is that reflective in these? It probably is. I I think in sort of general terms, yeah, I think that again, you know, he is a player that has got to this level, I think by reading the game quite well uh, on the ball and off the ball, obviously. And, you know, to get to a certain level, it's not a fluke that Jorginho, Mm -hmm. you know, has got to the level he has in his career. Um, As I say, I think that there are times you watch him where when he is on his game and he is spotting those passes and he's able to cut out a pass. And very quickly, you've got someone who's then cut out a pass and You know, I say it's always that, you know, he's the typical sort of like deep line midfielder that you'd want for someone in possession. He kind of calms things down for you. He'll find the next pass. As I say, it won't always be the pass that's, you know, defence splitting um, and may annoy some fans at times because he is kind of sideways passing. I mean, interesting that he's coming in in under Mikel Arteta because I think there may be his comparisons to Arteta as a player, particularly in his later years at, at Arsenal when he played a much deeper role. Um, you know, and kind of that safer passer is going to go left to right effectively. Um, but as you said, you know, interceptions, as I say, there, there are times and there are absolutely going to be games, probably for Arsenal, when Jorginho is in the right place at the right time. He He's he's intercepting well. Um, and as I say, it's mm. that kind of debate around Jorginho. He's not woeful. He's not uh, awful and there are you know that's always been the the, the bizarre thing when having conversations around Jorginho yeah. is the fact that he he does at times look like a very very good midfielder um and and you know got the acclaim last year in the, i think it was uh, was it FIFA the best or the UEFA Champions League player of the year you know yeah, in, it in, did. you know yeah. i think these stats kind of represent at times how you know effective he can be
0: Indeed. Um, let's have a look, uh, go forwards in terms of losses and recoveries as well. You know, he stands out well. He's got more uh, recoveries than than any other player on this. It's only slightly more uh, than Partey here. He does have a fair amount of losses, but each of the players on here is in the sevens in terms of losses, to be fair to them. Um, moving into his pass, and we have discussed this uh, at length already, so we'll kind of flash by these a bit. But in terms of his accuracy, again, comes out very similar. The range of all these three players is within 2% uh, for pass accuracy, and it is in the high 80s getting into the 90s for Caicedo as well. Um, Pass into the final thirds. You know, he tries to progress the ball here. We see that with 9.08 passes into the final third, which is up there with... Uh, Parte better than that of, of Caicedo, better than that, significantly so of Anana as well. um Passes, though, into the box. This is where Caicedo, as we know, positionally gets a bit more further forward than, say, Jorginho does. So you see him being more direct with his passing into the box. It's only ever slightly in terms of per 90, but his accuracy is what's key here. 74% for Caicedo compared to 47% uh, for Jorginho. Um, on the ball... I did want to talk about this a little bit more, as I've mentioned, when you do watch some of the the compilations and the clips and the highlights, which I know makes any player look like Messi. But one of the things you do see is that when he's under pressure on the ball, he can get out of those tight spaces. Am I being fooled by compilations or is that a fair representation of what he's able to do technically?
2: Yeah, I think I would... I mean, when I think of Jorginho and when I watch him, he, he's not someone that very regularly is dribbling past people with ease i, I think it, if you're watching short compilations and you're expecting to see that four <laughs> or five times a game i think you're going to be very disappointed um but there are, absolutely is a case where he he's very good at winning fouls particularly near mm-hmm. his own box um he's very good at attracting pressure uh, and just you know Whatever it is getting his his body in front of the ball you know at times it doesn't look like a foul but he's able to trick the referee to win the foul and it you know relieves the pressure keeps you in possession which is good um again you know i i can't think of many funny enough one of his worst on the ball mistakes i think came against arsenal it was the the ml smith row goal and i think it was oh, yeah, in, still course, in lockdown. the past back yeah um yeah, and but that has been actually a rarity with Jorginho. Like that is mainly for me, not the problem. You know, I think when so he's not has, someone who
0: drops like i I'm trying to think of an example, like a David Luiz howler. You know, he's not he's not he's, known
2: for these. Or I mean, I know this could probably be played a few months later by angry Arsenal fans <laughs> coming at me when he does. Uh, which you know, I won't be complaining about. Uh, but you know, he no, nah, that's not as I say, that's not usually the problem with Jorginho. I think that you know most of the time he's someone that I. I have trust when he's, you know. I think the fear is always that if he does lose the ball in that situation, you are in trouble. Um, usually, because he's he's usually someone who does like to pick up the ball quite deep. So then, you know, if 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 he loses the ball in that situation, then there's a chance that the opposing team is either through on goal or, or is isolating your back too. Um, but no, I, I'd say that you, what you'd see is a player, as I say, that's always that 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 is. That is Jorginho's, um pitch. It's he's mm. a he's a conductor. He can be safe in possession. That that's what he's always done. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say that he's he's regularly doing those sort of clangers um, that should make you fearful when he does get a possession. Um, I think I think there's enough evidence about that now. At his age because um, there's no third act twist coming with Jorginho there's no there's no revolution of his career that's going to come now and we all get surprised i think what you see is what you get and you do. i'd only anticipate that as he gets older you may see those those numbers drop and you may see mm. more mistakes creep into his game as i say dependent on what Arsenal see Jorginho as i think that's the key question here. and is is what we yeah, see seeing and, as. well yeah. well that's the thing right i think that you know, I don't know if you want to get to this question like now, mm. but I think that that's what makes this deal a lot better. Um, you know, if if you look at him logically, if you just go, okay, he's a replacement for Mohammed on well then it's an upgrade. And for mm. 12 million in the current market, that ain't bad. And for what is it, an 18 month deal? Yeah, with it's an option. Not, it's not the end of the world, is it? I mean, it it's um so if you look at him like that, I think he provides a serviceable to even better service for that um you know if you expect him to come in and and be a serious serious upgrade on what you have and he's going to come into the first team and he's going to offer things that you know that are going to rival thomas Partey, then i think you're going to be disappointed so i think it's understanding what Jorginho is as a player and as a midfielder and what he excels at which is on the ball possession keeping possession what he doesn't excel at which is off the ball which is where he can be found out okay
0: lovely stuff no i appreciate the context um doesn't tend to score too many goals unless
2: he's given a penalty. um, And even then, you know,
0: <laughs> we've seen some moments in Jorginho. Before. Yeah, I mean, I,
2: I would say just this on, on Jorginho's, because uh, I have seen, you know, people talk about his, his penalty record. I actually did an article that people could find of the evolution of Jorginho's penalties earlier this season on football.london um of kind of how he's changed his run-up over the years like it, it's it's and it's interesting now he's got to a stage where you're, you're not entirely sure what he's going to do is he going to hop and skip is he going to kind of do a more conventional run-up um is he going to smash it into the top corner Is he going to try and roll it past the goalkeeper I, he has been one of chelsea's you know in, in terms of like numbers he he's he's a really good penalty taker for chelsea i mean i know that people will pick out the the bad penalty misses and stuff but i think considering you know that that responsibility on his shoulders, particularly when Eden Hazard left, um, he's he's provided a consistent output of penalties. So I think if you get to a penalty shootout or you need someone to take a penalty, I always back Jorginho to probably do you a good job and in, in that aspect. But no, he to expect him to you know when he is taking shots, uh, they're not very strong and they're usually inaccurate. Um, again, he, he isn't going to get that far forward and and very rarely I think. Trying to think of any goals he scored in open play for Chelsea. It's, Against it's Arsenal, been... mate. Yeah, there we go. Uh <laughs> we have to thank Burton Leno for that one. Yeah. We um, do. yeah, you know, as I say, it's 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 very, very rare because he doesn't and, and as you know, again, profile of midfielder, he doesn't get that far up the pitch yeah. um to provide that. And that's not really his, his has been his role at Chelsea. Um,
0: So let's get to the verdict and then uh, we're going to get to questions as well, box. So um, we should have time to take a few um, before we wrap up. I don't want to take up too much of Dan's time. Um, So verdict, £10 million rising to 12 with Adon's 18-month contract. The move is designed to be a replacement in the short term for Mohamed Elneny's injury.
2: Um, What do you make of it? I mean, I, I think it's a good deal from Chelsea. I think getting money for Jorginho before his contract runs out is just a a no-brainer at this point Mm -hmm. um you know we i i mean i would have cashed in on him as i've already said you know in 2021 when i think chelsea could have got about 60 million for him but that's not been the way it's worked out um and i think it's it it, for chelsea it's it's a signal of revamping the midfield i think for you know it's, it's one of those deals where i think for both parties they can be happy at this right i think that they can for Arsenal, it gives them the player they've wanted. Okay, it's not it's not the perfect player. It is a bit of a compromise. You know, I, I do think going from Moises casella to Jorginho is is quite a weird yeah. turn. If I'm being yeah. honest, like I think yeah. that you know, and I, I don't mean to start beefing, but I think if Chelsea would have done that, I think people would have been going, you know, what's the plan? You know, there's no plan mm-hmm. in terms of profiling. But then when you yeah. also, but then when you throw in the context that Jorginho isn't the signing that Casado would have been, he isn't going to be an instant first team, or at least I don't suspect he will be, or he's not, he's not coming in to be a star man. He's not your future. Um, You're hoping that, as I say, he's going to offer you for the rest of this season and maybe into next season, a little bit of experience when you need it. The Europa League is, is kicking back into gear soon. So you're going to need rotational options for that. So Mm. in, in that sense, and I think that's where Jorginho could thrive actually, because he's always been better for me in, in European competition for Chelsea. Um, I, I think that style of play just suits his game a lot better, and he isn't asked the same questions. So, uh, yeah, I think for, for the money, for what Chelsea need, for what Arsenal probably need, I think it's a good deal all around.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a very honest comment to be honest. No, I don't think you're beefing at all. Um, and I think because obviously there's a lot of questions in the Arsenal fan base about why. I, I have my understanding as to why they've done this. You know, I think what this deal does is it enables Arsenal to still go for that transformative midfielder in the summer it means that you're not spending upwards of 40, 50 million pounds on a player that mm. you don't necessarily want as the priority. When, say, Arsenal are pushing heavily for Declan Rice in the summer, the interest in Moises Caicedo won't decrease. You know, Arsenal will be there probably with Chelsea trying to battle it out for the player in, in the summer. So, you know, that this is a deal that replaces Elneny. Elneny's probably going to be off in the summer. Laconga's going to probably be off in the summer. There's definitely scope for Arsenal still to add two quality midfielders. And there just isn't the options, you know, at the moment, you know, we talk about Ibrahim Abamba. Again, I think if I, you know, I, I like the guy a lot and, you know, I really was open to seeing him join Arsenal. But if, as I said before, if we were playing Man City tomorrow and Partey's not there, would I rather Bamba or Jorginho? I think I'd rather Arsenal had the experience head of Jorginho in that game, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that that's kind of where I'm at. Um I'm going to see if I can sift through the comments in the chat box for some genuine questions. Uh, Clock Orange says, Tom, you do not like the word backup. Why now accept it just for a backup player? I think I just maybe answered that prior to actually putting up on the screen because I don't see there being a competitive option there for us right now. Do you, do you see that? Am I being naive? Am I being short about this? Do I, is there... Because Arsenal aren't going to do what you're doing and pay €120 million euros for Enzo Fernandez? Do you know what I mean? So... What do you think? Well, yeah, it's
2: also I think where both clubs are currently at the moment. You know, Arsenal are you know competing for a Premier League title. This is the best opportunity Arsenal have had to win a league title. Win. Mm. I mean, what since oh eight? Maybe. Yeah. You know. Uh, Sorry. Well, I say 08 because then it go, it, you were top for some... I, for some reason, I remember 08 because there was like a Birmingham game and... Sorry, I, I just... I, it's
0: like, difficult I, for me to look back at years in which we've like, you know, because some people will say 2016 as well because mm. we finished second and when Leicester won the okay, league. Okay, 04 or 05,
2: yeah. right? That was when, you know, even 05, you know, Chelsea... Yeah, and Arsenal sure, I'll beat. allow it. Oh but... 08. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah. getting back to the point. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's for, it's for what Arsenal need, right? And Arsenal don't do a lot of these deals and, and Arsenal's transfer... Strategy has been pretty consistent. Um, and as I you say, you're not paying 20 million. I guess the only question I'd ask is, is Georgie, and, and I can understand where Arsenal fans fear will come with this is when they look at Willian, when they look at David Luiz, when they look at Petr Cech, you know, you're bringing in players who have already won quite a bit. And, you know, where is that motivation? And I think that's where a lot of Arsenal success has come under Mikel Arteta is, is replacing those type of players and bringing in young, hungry ones. That's, I think, what Chelsea are trying to do now. They're trying to bring in players who haven't won yet um, to try and build that generation and, and culture of players who are hungry to succeed on a big stage. Um, but I, I, I've always felt that Jorginho is, is, for his limitations on the pitch, I think he's a good professional. You know, you've always heard good things about him as a professional that he's very popular inside of dressing and and apparently Arsenal players have to this news or the squad has responded well to this news. So um, I, I think for him he'll be a likable figure. It's just how much value can you extract in that contract time? And and if mm-hmm. if he's just a passable option and he he does a job for a bit of time, then that's probably okay, right? You know, it, it could go much worse. It could add another, you know, blot onto the, but buying Chelsea players. I, I yeah. guess that it's not the most encouraging deal, right? It's not a, a progressive mm. young midfielder no, who you course. could see being at the club for four to five years. Mm. And that is the way Arsenal and the Arteta Project has kind of been selling things, right? It's all about the future. It's all about bringing in these young players. But there's no denying that Jorginho is is a, an experienced player and he's won things in his career. Um so I, you need backup, right? You need those players in your squad. It's a demanding game. And, yeah. and Arsenal are going to have a lot of demanding fixtures in the upcoming months To if they want to win the Premier League title.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jorginho's started fifteen of Chelsea's games this season. I think um, so mm. far, uh, of course, he's a very durable
2: player. That that's the one thing I'd say about him. I mean, he doesn't get injured, does he? I mean, the <laughs> no, <work.
0: laughs> but he doesn't get injured. Yeah, I mean, yeah. whether
2: he goes to to Arsenal and, and for all the injury problems the Chelsea had, um, Partey, you know, I know Partey's had some injury problems as well. I've never so, had like, them before. He's, yeah. he's um, Jorginho is uh, say that's that's the one thing about him that you, you know and and we know up to this point is if you look at his injury record, it's pretty good from a Chelsea point of view. Um, We've been able to keep him fit and that's why he's remained a consistent starting figure because you can trust his availability over the course of a season indeed uh matt says uh, is this not the type of
0: signing that edu spoke against last year in regards to what he's asking about the comments i actually print screened these earlier because they popped on my timeline um when the player is 26 plus big salary and he's not performing he's killing you you don't have a valuation to sell the player the player is comfortable arsenal london beautiful everything is fantastic uh, and a good salary how many players with that kind of characteristics did we have in the past 80 percent of the squad he says um You have to avoid one more year with the problem in the dressing room. Take it out, even, I'm sorry, if you have to pay for a player to leave because the guy is sometimes also blocking someone. So I disagree with Matt in terms of what he says there about is this against because actually, ironically, it's it's the opposite. As we just talked about there, he's professional. He's not a problem in the dressing room. If anything, he's going to be an asset in the dressing room in these six months as Arsenal try and push towards a striker. He's not blocking anything because he replaces El Elneny and that means there's still space in the squad for Arsenal to add in the summer do you think that's fair
2: yeah I mean the thing about sort of percentages is that was I I assume Edu was referring to the problem that you had say under Emery and probably under Wenger right you had Ozil you had Sanchez was a good player but you know you've had uh Bamiang you know you had players uh you can go through a lot of the names that mm, he's yeah. they've been able to sell over the past few years, right? The, that's the problem. It's the imbalance in the squad of having those players. I think what, what Edu maybe means there is is he's is he saying that the problem, if if that is the majority of your players, is that if that is who is dominating your starting 11 and your squad on a consistent basis, that's where you get a cultural problem. If Jorginho, I mean, Jorginho is, is not, I, I mean, I don't think he's that powerful presence that he's going to alter things that dramatically. So yeah. Listen, I think it, it's fair to be concerned and to say we don't want to have that mentality here because that's what got us into a lot of problems before. But I don't think one player on an 18 month deal is going to completely jeopardize that.
0: No, I think that's completely fair. Um, and we sit in a situation now where, as I say, we've lost uh, an experienced head in the dressing room in El Neni, who was a big part of the club. Really rate El Nenny. The players love El Neni as well. You know, he's going to be missed in that group. And that's why, the, from my understanding, the club were looking at potentially even activating the one year extension in El Neni's contract. But that might now significantly change with the combination of his injury issues and, of course, Jorginho's arrival. So let's see let's see what happens. Um, there is going to be at 9 o'clock tonight uh, a phone-in show uh, for you guys to tune in for, calling it phone-in therapy this time, so I think a lot of Arsenal fans are potentially in need of that. So that's going to be 9 p.m. UK time. So do make sure you tune in uh, for that. We'll really appreciate you guys being able to do that for us. Um, of course, I'd like to hear from people that are ideally against the deal um because it generates more discussion because you know i can see the good points to it of course there's there's always openness to hear the opposite point of view as well and and people agreeing with me you know what what more can you want in life than being agreeing with you but uh yeah if you are against the deal that's who i really would love to to hear from because i think it generates the best discussion possible um so if you are keen on voicing your concerns your criticisms or just getting some stuff off your chest, we're going to be doing a uh, phone-in show at 9pm UK time tonight on Deadline Day. Um, Dan, thank you so much for your time uh, and your expertise and your insight as well. Tell people where they can find you, my friend.
2: Yeah, if you are interested in in some Chelsea chat, which will involve probably (laughs) Jorginho a little bit later today, uh, regarding all of that is, uh, yeah, at Son of Chelsea, Uh, Son of Chelsea on YouTube, Son of Chelsea on Twitter, Son of Chelsea on TikTok. That is the best place to find me.
0: Lovely stuff indeed. Uh, Thank you, everybody, uh, for tuning in. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show, as I say. We'll be live at 9 o'clock tonight uh, talking to supporters who are disgruntled uh, about the signing of Jorginho. Perhaps some as well, I'm sure. Many more, it turns out to be. They're actually quite happy with it because it's just the way that things go. Um, So I'll see you then. Have a great evening. Enjoy yourselves. And as always, up the Arsenal.
1: Applied. Five years or a hundred thousand miles, whichever comes first. Pro Pilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Drivers' responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times.
2: This podcast
0: is proud to be part of the Talksport fan network. Talksport, powered by fans.